0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Boutosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Amen. I want to keep talking along the lines uh, tonight. We've been diving into this matter of relationship and intimacy with the Father. Amen. And um, again, as we just want to increase our discipleship. We want to increase our walk with the Lord. I believe that every believer, you know, deep down within, they want to grow in their walk with the Lord. I don't believe it's ever anybody's, you know, desire. I just want to remain stagnant. Let me just, you know, we, we, we say that and, and we might, you know, joke about that, um, but you need to have a desire on the inside that says, I got to keep growing. There's just more to know. And there is no excitement that even comes close to the excitement when you hit another level of revelation, when more knowledge opens up. We talked on Sunday about that Ephesians one prayer that Paul prayed and he didn't just pray it for the church at Ephesus. He prayed it for all those, almost every letter he wrote to a church, he'd start off somewhere in there. I pray. I get on my knees for you daily. I'm bringing you before uh, the father praying that you would, have the spirit of wisdom and the knowledge of him, that you, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, right? The, it's the increase, it's the engaging, it's the growing in knowledge. And, uh, you know, I don't believe that, of course, we should ever arrive at that place, but I, there's just an internal drive that I think we all have that says there's more, there's more, there's more. And, you know, if you've been in a season of life where it's been dry or maybe, maybe for the first time you're switching into that gear so to speak that it's like man there's more to discover there's more to know there's it's not just a crippling burdensome religious activity this is real life real relationship real knowledge there's just something about growing closer to the father not just in knowledge but in application and in walking with him and so i hope that this uh Series and these series of messages have kind of brought that on and and spurred that on for you to know that we can go deeper, amen, go beyond the activity. I want to talk to you tonight about a covenant-making God, a covenant-making God. If you really want to understand God's desire for relationship with us, um, let's just clear this up. He wants a relationship with you much more than you want a relationship with him. As, as deeply and as badly as you want to know him and walk with him and, and whatever that looks like, he desires to walk with you. He desires and is purposeful in his intentions. You ever been in a relationship where you didn't know the other person's intentions? There's it, nothing more awkward than, you know, that whether it's a blind date or the first date, and you know the other person isn't as interested in you as you maybe are in them. It, it's always awkward. It's awkward when nobody's interested. It's even more awkward with only half of them are interested. It's like find the exit. What's the that's, what's the excuse I can come up with? Oh, my phone's ring. Yep, yeah, you need me right now. Okay, that's far. Urgent, urgent, emergency. Got to go right now. You know, what I mean, you're just trying to find the way. How can we shorten this thing up? You know, I mean. It's awkward. Now, I heard someone, maybe it's a joke, maybe it's not, but they said that, you know, it might be possible that a lot of people feel that way in church. That maybe it's awkward in a church service or a worship service because he's deeply interested in you and you're just trying to check a box. Not you, it's Wednesday night. I mean, you're here, it's 724. I mean, not you, obviously. We're talking about a different group of people. How about a different church altogether? Right? Now, I think we all can, can, can be guilty of this sometimes that we know that it's a requirement. We know that there is a level of obligation. We know that there is a level, not an obligation like you have to to get this, but it's, and if I want to meet the standard, I've got to have my buy-in. Again, we we started this off by saying that there are things that we think God tolerates in a relationship with us that we wouldn't tolerate in a marriage relationship or a friendship or sometimes even an employer-employee relationship, that we will make demands and meet demands to keep a relationship at a certain level that we don't keep that same measure and quality and, and value of standard with our Heavenly Father. And so we want to address that, not in a guilty, condemning way, like, oh, I've only done this out of religious activity, I'm only reading the Bible because Pastor Mark says to read it daily and check the box off. That's not what this is about. But there are times that we can treat the activity that's necessary to engineer us and keep us promoting the interests of the Father. We can keep them, we, we can treat them as chores and burdens rather than the thing that can truly draw us clearer, closer, and nearer to the Father. Y'all with me? And so when we talk about a covenant-making God, I'll just read to you what a covenant is. And you may have an idea of what a covenant is, but this is what a covenant uh, is defined as. A covenant is a relationship between two parties. A covenant is a relationship between two parties who make binding promises who make binding promises. The covenant is a relationship between two parties who make binding promises to each other. To each other. And this is important, the end of this. The covenant is a relationship between two parties who make binding promises to each other. And here it is, work together to reach a common goal. Work together, partnership of the deepest level who work together to achieve a, a common goal, a shared mission. You may remember in one of the weeks, I think it was week two, we talked about, might've been week one, we talked about uh, some of the indicators of intimacy. And we said one of those was shared values, that we share interest in the same things that, we, that what, what is important to you is important to me. What's important to me becomes important to you. And, and, and this is where you see that uh, at its greatest level is in a covenant relationship. And if you find, if you read the word and if you've dug in the word, especially in the Old Testament, and we'll, we'll get over even into the New Testament, you will see this word covenant repeated many, many times. God desires a covenant with mankind. But the part I want to highlight tonight is the work together to achieve a common goal. Because I've heard this and you've heard it, God created us for relationship. God created us for relationship. And of course, there's some truth to that. He desires a relationship with you. But here's what I know. God wasn't lonely in heaven. God wasn't like, you know, in all my greatness, I have nobody to talk to, nobody to commune with, nobody to hang out with. I need a buddy, I need a pal, I need a friend, I need a, uh, you know, whenever I need to phone a friend, when I need to reach out to someone, when I just need some downtime. God did not create you out of a need for just relationship alone. And so God created you for relationship, yes, but what we need to ask is even deeper beyond that. What's the purpose of the relationship? Why did he need a relationship with us? Why did he create us for this relationship? And what purpose does the relationship serve? Well, that's the answer. It is to achieve together, partnered together to achieve a common goal. So, you know, the worst thing uh, that could happen in a covenant is when one party becomes disinterested in that common goal and becomes distracted and has their own goal. Division is two visions. That's where division gets born out of, is when we've got two people with two different visions, two different ideas of what this ought to look like. And we know there in the garden, we had Adam and Eve, and they were commanded, uh, uh, created with the command, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, reign over it. I give you the authority to reign over the earth and everything within the earth, right? There was a common goal that Adam and Eve and all of mankind were to share with the heavenly father and through the relationship and through the uh, uh, interest of the relationship and the tightness of the relationship, that common goal could be achieved. You could say that the, 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 to the, the measure that we achieve the goal is directly connected to the measure of the relationship that we maintain and that we foster. Meaning if the relationship weakens, it compromises the overall effort. I mean, we, we have companies on this planet right now that follow this to a T. They know if you're no longer interested or if, they're, if you're going rogue or if you have a, a, a different idea, hey, you're just not a good fit here. It's not that you're not good at what you do, but you're not a good fit here. I mean, Apple is one of those companies, man. They are so laser focused on the goal, the product, the mission at hand that, man, if, if, it's not just about compliance and obedience and doing it our way, but we've got a mission. And if anything comes against that and compromises our overall effort, you become a distraction from the mission. And so this covenant was designed to maintain the integrity of the relationship so that we can maintain the effectiveness of the overall mission. If the integrity of the relationship is strained, the mission begins to fail. What was the number one thing that Jesus guarded in his life? It was his relationship with his father. And he made sure to the nth degree I am, I mean, even as a 12 year old child, when, he, when his parents lost him for three days, think, you think your parenting has been a struggle lately. Mary and Joseph lost the Son of God for three days. That's rough. He just gave us. and, and, and yeah, This isn't even Adam's DNA. This is Holy Spirit DNA, and we've lost him. Where? Could you imagine the conversations in the, in the car or in the, on the camel riding around? Where'd you see him last? This, was, this is your, I mean, you could just imagine you've lost God in the flesh. And when they find him, what does he say? I must be about my, he was so, permeate, even at a young, young, a young age, as a young child, the, the DNA of God in that relationship, in that focus, in that vision of his heavenly father said, I have to be about my father's business. He's always saying things like, I'm only here because my father sent me. I only say what he tells me to say. I only go where he tells me to go. I only do what he tells me to do, right? We are one. If you've seen me, And honestly, that's what every CEO of any organization wants. You know, uh, Truett Cathy, CEO and and founder of Chick-fil-A, obviously is passed on now. but, But, you know, his goal, his desire is if you talk to a cashier, it's like you're talking to me. I want that cashier. I want Sarah at cashier making $14 an hour and taking your number one with the sweet tea, cheese and no pickle order every time you come in. I want them to feel like I was standing in front of them taking your order. And, and, and that's, that, that's the model that God has created. Well, it demands a level of integrity in the relationship. It demands the highest level and that's the level of, of covenant. We can see this in the word of God. I know that we all want to, go with me to Genesis 6. I know that we all want to just simply say we're in relationship to be in relationship, just for the sake of relationship. But I want you to know that God sees something deeper than that. Yes, God values the relationship, but there's even a reason why he values the relationship, because there's a goal to be accomplished. There's a job to be done. There's a mission at hand. And if we could be as engaged with that mission, if we could be as interested in what God honors and values as he is, could you imagine what we could accomplish in the earth? That's why Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You're gonna have open access to this thing. There's not gonna be anything you're gonna need. There's not gonna be anything that you will want. In Genesis chapter six, Obviously, we know we we began with Genesis chapter 1, Adam and Eve. They sinned, and they did more than just disobey God. They broke covenant. But look what God is doing just five chapters, really three chapters later, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 17. Is that where I want to start? Uh, Genesis 6. Verse 17, understand that I am bringing a flood, flood waters on the earth to destroy every creature under heaven with the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you. Now, if you read the beginning of of Genesis chapter six, it doesn't start out great. In fact, it basically starts out with this. God is fed up with man to the point, I'm gonna wipe them all out with a great flood. Like their sin has become so rampant, so depraved. I mean, you think it's bad today. And this is what sin does. It increases the strain on that relationship. It increases the separation that shows up between us and the Father. And so God is what looks like is a step backward. He's saying, no, this is a step forward. I want to reestablish my covenant, but I must reestablish my covenant with righteous people. It does no good to reestablish a covenant with unrighteous people because they're not interested in what I'm interested in. They don't share my heart. They don't share my values. But Noah and your family, Noah and your wife and your three kids, your three sons and their wives, the eight of you share my interests, share my values, so I'm going to reestablish my covenant with you. He says, I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, your son's wives. And in, um, later on in that chapter, I'm gonna go pretty quick because I cannot break down every covenant and, and all the different indicators and reasons for it. I just gotta give you um, a, a short uh, look at it. Uh, but later on in the chapter, he says, I've established my covenant. In fact, he says, I'm gonna give you a sign. It's called a rainbow. It's a sign of my covenant and my promise never to flood the earth again, but it's also an indicator because every covenant has a sign. If I was teaching this to you, if I was teaching you my blood covenant class, I would break down the different signs, the the, the breaking of skin, the shedding of blood, the sharing of, of food, all the different ways that we covenant uh, uh, that we see descriptive uh, and demonstrating covenant in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. That was Noah in Genesis 6. Genesis chapter 12 is a man named Abram. In verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your land, your relatives, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Isn't this interesting that we have adopted such an idea that God's interest, God's greatest interest is just getting as many people saved and born again and getting them up to heaven as quick as possible. But if you look in his word, he's continually trying to do something here. He's continually trying to establish something here. God is more interested in the earth than you think he is. And so while we're all interested in heaven, he's like, I need you interested in the earth. I need you to share my value and my interest for the earth. We just got to give as many people, say as we can and get them all to heaven. That's not, that's not even God's plan. That's not it's because we, that's not, he's never described that in his Bible. The only reason we would accept that is because we, won't, we don't read our own Bibles. Because the Bible doesn't show you that. A Bible shows you where God is constantly saying, I'm making a nation. I'm making a nation. He eventually tells Moses later on, get out of the way. I'm going to wipe all these unrighteous complainers out of the way, and I'm going to start over with you, and I'm going to make a great nation. He says here in uh, chapter 12, verse one, go from your land, your relatives, your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Here's one of the great things about covenant. When you recognize you're in covenant, you'll never complain about a lack of resource or supply again. Never will. We'll never complain about not having enough money, not having enough time, not having enough this or that or whatever it is. You will find that those things come searching for you. God designed it this way in uh, the Garden of Eden. Adam, be fruitful. Multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. I'm giving you authority. Hey, here's some trees. Hey, here's some rivers here. Hey, here's some fruit. Hey, here's everything you need. There's one command. Don't eat the fruit of this tree. Everything else is yours for the taking. That's a result of covenant. I think we said that one of the weeks that uh, another indicator of, of intimacy and relationship is the understanding that we share resource. If you are ever coming to God, begging of God, you're not aware of your covenant with him. Covenant people don't beg. Covenant people just share. Covenant people, I mean, you you do not, when you're in covenant with someone, you don't have to beg for their service for their backing, for their approval, for their honor, for their respect, for their resources. It's all shared. It comes with the covenant. And so he says here, man, I'm going to bless you. I'm, your, your families will be blessed. Your nations will be blessed. In Genesis chapter 15 and verse 18, Genesis 15, verse 18. He says, on that day, the Lord God, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, I give this land to your offspring from the bro- from the brook of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates river in Exodus chapter 19, Exodus chapter 19. And just so you know, this is covenant with fallen man. Abraham didn't make Jesus Lord of his life. Noah didn't ask, you know, believe that Jesus died on a cross for the remission of his sins, right? Now we're about to look at Moses. Moses didn't come down to an altar and, and, you know, it's, it's God is desiring, even when man was fallen, even when man was in a complete lost state, he was looking for a way to join up with man once again, to partner with man once again, to come into this, this, this most tightest, closest of covenant relationship, a binding pact that brings us together to share one common mission. In Exodus chapter 19, now if you will carefully listen to me, and keep my covenant you will be my own possession out of all the peoples although the whole earth is mine and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation these are the words that you are to say to the israelites to the grumblers and the complainers to the to the backbiters to the doubters and the unbelievers god is saying man if you if it's, it's simple as alignment with my plan and alignment with my covenant and alignment with my commands, we can join up, join forces, and we can accomplish great things together. This is God's plan, this is God's purpose. In Joshua chapter 1, in Joshua chapter 1, And um, we'll begin with verse six here. Joshua chapter one and verse six, he says, be strong and courageous for you will distribute the land I swore to their ancestors. See, things are laid up for you if you'll simply enter covenant. They're just waiting for you to enter covenant. You're not waiting on the things, the things are waiting on you. These things were laid up for them, and he's saying, I'm ready to distribute. If you'll just believe me at my word, Joshua and Caleb knew what this covenant meant and knew, man, we've got to keep his word, believe his word. If he said that we're able to take this land, we must be well able to take the land. And unfortunately, they had to wander around for 40 years with all the unbelievers. But once they died off, now he's saying, man, I'm ready to distribute. It still belongs to you. If you keep my commands, look at what he says. be strong and courageous for you will distribute the land I swore to their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth you are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it this is not religious burden he's saying that the words that i have given you are the covenant that i'm making with you you can't keep a covenant you don't know you can't keep a covenant you're not aware of you can't keep your side, and also, also, you don't know what I'm obligating myself to on my side. My word outlines all of it. You know, we have something in our own country. It's called a constitution. It's called our constitutional rights. Do we know what those are? If somebody were to challenge your constitutional rights, would you be able to stand and say, wait a minute, no, 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 that's not how that works in this country. I can openly, freely worship my God. This, is, we, we, this country was an opportunity where we could come in and freely worship as we choose without any certain bind. Well, guess what? The devil's coming to believers all the time who don't know their constitutional rights by the word of God, and he's duping them out of all kinds of stuff that belongs to them. Hello? That's why he's saying observe the word so you don't get duped. Not observe the word as religious practice to become a Pharisee filled up in your head with a bunch of knowledge. No, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying, man, if you observe these, you'll, let's just read on. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Why? We're in covenant. We're doing this together. I'm not just sending you into that land to fight those battles on your own. I'm sending you in partnered with me, hooked up with me, joined with me in covenant and everywhere you go, I go. If they come against you, they're really coming against me. If they say it about you, they're saying it about me. Don't take it personal. Come on, this is covenant. And so many times we feel like we're out on our own island. Sometimes we feel like we're separated. Sometimes we feel like, does God even know where I'm at? Does God even know what's going on? Absolutely he does if you're in covenant. And so because of the, I'm not reading the word to make covenant. I read the word because I'm in covenant. You see the difference? I'm not doing this to get close to God. I'm doing this because I'm close to God. And because I'm close to him, I want to make his word priority in my life. And I want to follow it. And when I, want, I want to know everything he has for me. And I want to be able to fully keep my side of the covenant. A covenant has two parties who enter binding agreements. Now, that's where you know, people don't like, especially on the grace side of things. They don't like when we talk about binding agreements. But I mean, I'd ask you, do you really want to serve a God that just lets you do as you please, but yet he remains at your every beckoning call? Do you want to serve that kind of person? No. You're not interested in the mission at that point. You're interested in your mission. You're interested in your idea. You see, When God sent those 12 spies, when Moses sent those 12 spies into the promised land by the word of God, they weren't going in there to determine if they could take the land. There's no debate. We say it all the time. They weren't going in to get a report. They were going in with a report. (laughs) Come on. So why is it that we read something that God promises us in his word and then we treat it like, well, let's see, if I, let's see if I agree with that. Let's see if that makes sense. Well, I don't know if I heard that in, in my old church. I don't know if, if that's, that's not what my mom taught me. That's not what grandma used to say. Now, I want to know what God's word says for myself. And I want to know what he's saying about me because he's the one I'm in covenant with. I love grandma, but I'm not in covenant with grandma. Come on. This is why we got to, and he's saying, don't depart from it. Because when you depart, that's when you get distracted. When you depart, that's when you accept other ideas. And that's when you start coming back from viewing a promised land and you start discussing them. I don't know. if we, I don't know, man. We, just, we look like grasshoppers. I don't know if we can do this. This Fortified cities and it's a vast land. I mean, there's not very many of us, and you know, maybe he meant something else. And like we've been talking through our stretch series, and we start making God's word more reasonable. We start lowering it down to our terms. I heard one pastor say, "We start we start building a God in our image, rather than accepting His." image. He's the one making covenant. And so I want to know what this covenant has for me. God, that looks really big. You know, naturally, that's that's out there. That's a big thing. I don't know if we can get that much money. I don't know if we can can run that kind of business. I don't know if, if I'm quite ready for that. And he's saying, I'm in covenant with you. You're partnering, you're hooking up with me in this thing. We're together. And everywhere you go, I'm going. So don't worry about what, what, what comes against you. Don't worry about what challenges you face. Don't worry about what battles are way awaiting you in the promised land. Don't worry about how you're gonna use all this. You just obey my word. You just keep the covenant. In Jeremiah chapter 31, <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 31, covenant's a big deal to God. It's not a small thing. We're about to find out just how big of a deal it is to him. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31. He says, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house. I mean, you talk about remaining adamant. I mean, we're we're now near 4,000 years from when he made the original covenant with Adam, kept the covenant alive with Noah. Then Abraham shows up and says, I'm gonna make a covenant with you. Moses shows up, I'm gonna make a covenant with you. David shows up, I'm gonna make a covenant with you and your house and everyone that precedes you, the house of David. And he says, man, you know what? We're still not good enough. We're still not there. I have not achieved my desire in in." making this covenant with mankind. I'm coming to make a new covenant. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, this one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration for I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. Go to Hebrews chapter eight. God is so adamant. I mean, he just keeps coming back to this thing. He's trying to perfect it and he's trying to make it better and he's trying to deepen that relationship. But again, it's to achieve a purpose. It's to achieve a common goal. It's not just for the sake of having relationship. It's not just for the sake of saying, hey, look at us, we're together. I love God and he loves me. We we have greatly reduced, and if I can use the term dumbed down, what a relationship with the father is supposed to even look like. We have, we have just ripped it from its mortars. We have taken it from its foundation and the structure upon which God designed our relationship to look like. And we can't even exhibit what a healthy relationship with him looks like now. A relationship with God today, in, in, uh, especially in American terms, is one of tolerance, is one of acceptance, is one of whatever I think goes, whatever I believe goes, whatever I like goes. I can sin as much as I want and he keeps taking me back, taking me back, taking me back. There's no goal or purpose to achieve at all other than just getting to heaven one day. It's it's, it's so far from what the word of God shows us a relationship is supposed to look like. And when you enter a covenant, yeah, it's got a binding agreement. When you enter a covenant, you are confessing with your mouth and you are through your life demonstrating I am one with him and he's one with me. It means I abandon things that he's not interested in. I don't debate over things that he's called me into. I don't question and challenge his authority. He speaks, I go, I say, I do. Jesus modeled this for us even to the point of death. And what did Jesus say? I'm taking up my cross, so will you. Because that's what covenant people do. Covenant people lay down their lives for the other. Covenant people make the greatest sacrifice. So in Hebrews chapter eight, let's look at the great lengths that Jesus has gone to or that God has gone to to establish this relationship with us. Now, if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest since there are those offering the gifts prescribed by the law. These serve as a copy in shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was warned when he was about to complete the tabernacle. For God said, be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry. And to that degree, he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been established on better promises. You've got the best. You you think Adam had it good in the garden. You think Abraham had it good. You think Moses had it good. You think David had it good. They all wish they have what we have. The deepest of relationships, the spirit within and the spirit upon literally with the capacity to be led. The the, the, the veil has been torn. We have free access. It's been granted to us. So in Hebrews chapter nine, one chapter over, verse 11, but Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, He entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow, sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish, to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works so that we can serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance because a death has taken place for redemption from the transgressions committed under the first Covenant. He says, Jesus, his only son, the greatest price that could be paid, the greatest sacrifice made, has now established for us a new and better covenant on better promises. That what he was striving to achieve there in the Old Testament through all those old covenants that I just read you. Now we have established a new covenant once and for all on the blood of Jesus himself. He died on a cross, he shed his blood, not just for the remission of your sins so you could go to heaven, but to establish a covenant that cannot be broken. And all you have to do is enter that covenant. What most people don't realize is over there in Romans chapter 10 where it says, confess Jesus as Lord. That word confess actually means a binding agreement. It means your word is your bond. It means if I'm confessing Jesus as Lord, that means I'm making Jesus Lord of my life. Now, my life, its activity, my desires, my interests, now they all align to what pleases the Father. Not out of religious duty, not out of making myself look good to others, but it's to come in alignment with the covenant that I'm now in. When you make a binding agreement, it's not to be broken. When you make a binding contract, when you come into a binding agreement, a covenant agreement, that is not to, that is the deepest of agreements. That's the deepest of contracts. That's the deepest of relationship. So it, it's no good to water down our relationship with the father just to the mere, I, I, I love him and he loves me. You know, Jesus said it himself, if you love me, keep my commands. He said, by your ability to keep my commands, people will know that you're my disciples. Not by your Facebook posts, not by your church attendance, not by your bumper stickers and your refrigerator magnets. I'm in a covenant relationship. I'm in a a binding agreement not in a binding room. Now I have to do it out of love. I want to strive to pursue the heart of the father and everything. And if he doesn't want it, I don't want it. If he doesn't put up with it, I don't put up with it. If he desires it, I desire it. If he wants it for me, I want it for me. And now I spend my life diving into this covenant. My constitutional rights, my, the, the, the bond of our agreement, and never, never should you allow the devil to talk you out of what rightfully belongs to you. Man, when that prodigal son came home, what did the dad say? Well, you have to work from the bottom up now. Go out there with those sorry slaves. He said, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Put the robe. They were all of those things were indicators. If you go look at David and Jonathan's covenant relationship, man, there was, they, they, they shed blood with one another. There was a sharing of garments. There were things that took place, man, that, that people could see. You're in agreement with somebody. You're in covenant with somebody. In the Old Testament, when you entered a a covenant, say with the tribe or with a group of people, people, there were even tattoo markings on the skin that you all shared. And so they knew, man, if we mess with him, we're messing with them. There are markings on you as a covenant member of the kingdom of God that the devil should know. I mess with them, I'm messing with them. That ain't even worth it. Ain't even worth it picking a fight with them The only way he hopes to get over on you is to trick you out of something you don't know. That's why the word says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because it's what you don't know. The enemy only, the only way the enemy can get over on your life is if it's something you're not yet aware of. Once you know who you are in covenant with and what belongs to you is right of that covenant and you're in keeping with that covenant, the devil cannot touch you. All hell can try to come against you. It, can, it doesn't stand a chance with covenant people. You are in a new and better covenant on better promises. Father, we thank you now. Uh, we just glorify you for this great covenant. You have called us into You shed. The blood of your son Jesus, the, the greatest, cleanest, purest blood there is. Father, we receive this covenant. We receive it by faith, Father. We're reminded of all that belongs to us, of who we're in covenant with, Father, and that nothing can stand against us because we are your covenant people. We claim it now, believe it now, in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah.